Hello, I'm Wayne, and this is my Iron Maiden podcast, sponsored by Monster Munch, the perfect hangover cure, not for eating in paddling pools. On these shows, I look at the songs of Iron Maiden, and look how they influenced me as a boy in 1980s Birmingham. I look at the songs today as well, and compare my thoughts. This week, I'm looking at the song, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, which is track five on the Seventh Son of a Seventh Son album. Last week, I looked at the song, The Evil That Men Do, and had some feedback on the show. Latter Cedar 666 was very disappointed in Trevor's poem, as was I, and she said, maybe he's spending too much time with Pamela. Yeah, I agree with that as well. I had a message from Jay as well, who commented on the fashions that I mentioned on the back of the sleeves. You may remember, I talked about the tracksuit and jogging suits, and he says, Never has leisure wear looked more out of place, yet be exactly where it should be at the same time. And that's an interesting observation. And a correct one, so thanks for that. As I've mentioned, this song's called Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. It's on an album with the same name. So that means it's the title track. Now I'm disappointed that it's track five and not track seven on the album, because that would be nice, wouldn't it? And you might be thinking then it must be a good song because it's the title track. And they normally call the most important song the title of the album, for this reason. It's the second longest song to date, just under 10 minutes. So therefore it is important and epic, as we'll find out. Before you start listening though, I hope you've given yourself a nice pause between the end of The Evil That Men Do and the start of this song, because you need that, as I explained last week. There's not enough of a gap between them on a CD, or on a streaming service. You need that time to flip the record over and sort of take in side one and allow a bit of space to breathe before you start on this epic journey. Now the song and the album title, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, caused a bit of upset among fans at the time. Those fans that had a lisp and they struggled to talk about it. I mean about the discrimination and and the challenges they felt, I think. Not struggle to talk about the album and the song because of the lisp, which is obvious. Luckily, not many of these Iron Maiden fans would have been that bothered about gritty urban hip-hopster Cisco and his single Thong Song in 2000, because that would have caused even more uproar. Anyway, Iron Maiden weren't thinking about those fans, clearly. Uh, It's just a bit of an unfortunate thing, isn't it? The song begins, and straight away we've got a drama. this slightly military drum sound and a a choir as well now it's not Stetsford Male Voice Choir or or a local choir for Steve Harris who wrote this song I believe this choir sound is coming from a keyboard I don't think it's a real choir choirs weren't for putting in rock music at this time it was for songs like There's No One Quite Like Grandma which was a number one hit in the early 1980s nowadays we've got different sub-genres of metal so things like symphonic metal which have a a sort of classical feel to it, Um, but not necessarily choirs. However, some vocalists are quite operatic. In fact, on this song, you could say that about Bruce on the first verses, where he sort of holds the notes for long, and they sound quite grand. When he performs them live, he's keeping still, so he can do this. I like this intro. I like how Nico's drums change from snare to toms in just a short space of time. (laughs) 
Looking at the lyrics on paper, then there's not many. And you'd think there would be for a song this long. And it just sort of describes the seventh son of a seventh son. And almost acts like a bit of a summerer. He's born, he's got these special powers, including healing. And will he choose good or evil? The line says, which path will he take? Both of them trying to manipulate the use of his powers before it's too late. Now a seventh son of a seventh son is like this concept from folklore, talking about special powers that might be had by such a person. Um, so again, it changes depending on where you're from. I think in this song, it talks about seeing things in the future and having those psychic powers. But some countries have different legends. So in Romania, uh, the seventh son of a seventh son is doomed to become a vampire. Whereas in some other sort of variations, you've got the healing element. So, yeah, interesting. I like how Bruce changes his tone when he sings the line, the good and the evil. He obviously changes how he sings for each word. As a boy, I never thought I had special powers. Although I like reading books about the unexplained and the paranormal. There was a TV show on at the time called Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World, which had scary music, and it would investigate strange phenom, strange phenom, strange phenomenon, strange things, psychics, UFOs, ghosts. It even featured a poltergeist in Birmingham once near where I live. I remember some classmates tried to claim they were special because they could do things. I sometimes felt left out because I couldn't roll my tongue or whistle. But if I went to a school reunion today, I bet they'd be amazed to hear that I do a podcast and I've demonstrated whistling live on the show that compares to the sound of birdsong. I've also demonstrated on a previous episode that I could do that farting noise while holding my armpit and bringing down the other arm. Like this. <laughs> it's still hilarious. I wonder if I could do a whole show just doing that. These weren't the powers that Steve Harris had in mind when he wrote this song, though. Talking to Steve Harris. It's Steve Harris's diary. It's Steve Harris's diary. It's Steve Harris's diary. It's Steve Harris's diary. June 1988. Looking forward to the Euros, the footy. We're tuning on the free lines, of course. I can't believe Ireland are in it. Huh, what a joke. They even got a Millwall player in the squad. Oh, they got no chance. We're touring America at the moment, so we can watch a match in the morning before the gig. We've been playing the Trooper over here, but we might drop that for shows later in the year. Might throw in a few surprises. At least Nico hasn't fell through the drum kit on any of the songs so far this tour. We're getting good reviews for it. I might even think about doing another live video. In a band meeting, Adrian came up with the idea of calling it 7th video of a 7th video. But it'll be our 6th video, so this won't make sense. The band voted with my suggestion of Made in England. It's a bit like Made in Japan, but in England. Yeah. It's Steve Harris's diary. It's Steve Harris's diary. It's Steve Harris's diary. It's Steve Harris's diary. In the verse sections between the lyrics, there's like a, a musical break. 
And this is good because Nico does this snare to Tom thing that I mentioned in the intro. So there's that nice continuity. Keeps the song flowing between the verses, breaks it up. There's a passage where Bruce follows the music though by saying oh. It goes oh like that. Which is alright, but I'll come back to that in a minute. The chorus itself isn't particularly interesting vocally. It says seventh son of a seventh son, repeatedly. Um it's alright. But it's the drum fills again that make it interesting at the end of the line. About halfway through, Bruce does that O again, that O O O O bit. I think he, he could have just done that once and that would have been enough. But actually, it's important that he does it a second time because these O's link in to the instrumental section. And he holds the note quite a long time. I'll try it now. It's the instrumental passage that makes the song, I think, makes it epic. So it breaks down and then we get this slow section, which is a bit like the section in Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, but without the creaking ship. We hear the keyboards a bit more as well, and then we hear the choir bit again. Um, but there's no male voices in this choir, they're quite high sounds. Sounds quite angelic, or heavenly, or ethereal. But then we get this spoken bit from Bruce, and he sort of goes on about the seventh son. And his voice changes a bit, it sounds like Skeletor at one point. I thought about maybe changing the words a bit, and getting Trevor in to do his impression. So I gave him a ring. Hi, Wayne. Hi, Trevor. It's Thursday. Yeah, I know. I thought I'd ring you early because I've got an idea. All right. I thought you could do the narration in that bit in Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. What, where Bruce speaks it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. But what I thought was, you could do it in the voice of Skeletor, because I've changed the words a bit. What do you mean? Well, instead of saying he at the start of the line, you could say he-man. What, like, he-man has the power to heal? Yeah, like that. But then, you'd say, but you'd say, he-man has the power of school. <laughs> so I've changed it. Okay. But, but he-man wasn't a seventh son? It doesn't matter, it's just like a joke, isn't it? Just sort of going over it, like Skeletor, because in the show, I'm going to say that Bruce sounds like Skeletor. Right. So can you just say the, the, the lines? So just say, He-Man has the power of school. He-Man is the chosen one. And that'll be enough, I think. No. What do you mean, no? Well, 
I don't think it's a good idea. Why not? I think the listeners would like it. Sort of something a bit different. Yeah, but I can't. I can't do that as Skeletor. Why not? Because Skeletor wouldn't say that. Well, it doesn't matter. You just just do the voice, say those things, and and it's done. No, I can only say, stop it, He Man, and laugh, and and I could do that, but it wouldn't suit the song. So you can't just do the voice and say different things. No, that's the problem. Are you sure you're not you're not saying this because you're embarrassed because Pamela's there or something? No, I'm just not doing it. I can't do it. So I'm sorry. Okay, well, it was just a thought. After the narration section, where Bruce does a better Skeletor impression than Trevor can, uh, there's the solos. And again, these parts are broken down with this instrumental passage where Nico does the, the snare and the tom thing again. But it's good though, because the solos are quite frantic. We've got the first Dave Murray solo on the album since Infinite Dreams, so we've had to wait that long. They're brilliant. I think sometimes the, the synths or the keyboards are too loud in places, they're a bit overpowering. But then who am I to argue with Martin Birch? I think at the end, especially, where the synths are there, they're a bit much. But then what I like is when they drop out for that last section, you can sort of hear that added power on that section. So listen to the difference. I like that difference. I think it gives you that extra oomph. Oomph is a word in the dictionary, and it's between umpa and oops. Two words that remind me of Dennis Stratton. It's time to put on your talcum powder and red leather trousers. It's time to go beyond the stratosphere. Fringe in your eyes, fray bentos pies In a world full of magic So don't you stray When you reach the stratosphere It's time to go Beyond the stratosphere It's time to go Hello, Wayne. Dennis Stratton here. As you're getting close to the end of the 1980s, those were serious times. The Berlin Wall, the collapse of the Soviet Union, and of course, a time when you had to be an Australian soap opera star to get a number one hit. Iron Maiden did well to get in the top 10 in these conditions, especially with these songs. I wasn't keen. I missed the fun and simplicity of the early days. It was all getting a bit deep for me. I'm not sure what's happening with this pandemic. It looked like we were opening up everything, but now I'm not sure. 
I don't want to be spending warm summer days indoors. I think I've exhausted all the possible conversations I can have with Julian. He shuts himself in his room these days. I hope you carry on into the 1990s with these podcasts, Wayne. I've got quite a few memories of that time. Going round in the evenings, pub to pub, selling those global hypercolor t-shirts to punters from my large hold all. Anyway, I better let you get on with it. Nice to speak to you. Take care, Dennis. So overall, I think there's more to say about the instrumental bits than the, the lyrics. Uh, but it is a Steve Harris song, and yeah, I've not been that complimentary about his lyrics. They're, they're perhaps quite basic, and that, but that's sufficient. I'm glad that we get to see it played live on Made in England, because it was only played on two tours. This is the video, of course. Um, it's, it's done at a nice tempo. It's not too fast. And we get to see the keyboard player. His name's Michael Kenner. And he's not credited as being the keyboard player. Um... But yeah, he, he does them live and did for some time. He's actually credited in the Thanks on the uh, Somewhere in Time album. His name's there. But he was like the bass roadie before he did the synths and the keyboards. So he may not have actually done any of the parts on the Somewhere in Time album, even though there were synths on it. On this performance, you see him, he's dressed as a phantom. And that was his stage nickname for a bit. And he's standing behind a pipe organ. I like watching this song. There's lots of dry ice and atmosphere. And then at the end, of course, when they're doing the instrumental section, Bruce disappears. And this leaves Steve, Dave and Adrian to get on with it. And then near the end, they're all there together at the middle of the stage. And this reminds me of how they were on Transylvania on the Live at the Rainbow video. This is where Paul Diana was time-travelling forward to the encore in his leather jacket. Obviously here, Bruce wasn't doing this while this was happening. I think he was backstage with a towel and a can of pop. Right now, obviously, I do this show in different parts, but uh, you've already heard me ring Trevor up about the He-Man thing. But uh, obviously, on a Sunday, which is later, I, I normally ring him. So here's the normal phone call. So I should say, right, I'm going to give Trevor a ring now. Anyway, here he is. Hi, Wayne. Hi, Trevor. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Um, been practising my skeletal impression for you. Oh, it's too late now. I've done that bit. I've, I've edited it. Oh. Yeah, so... And it doesn't matter. I'm sure there'll be enough to talk about without that. Um, it's too late. I, I could edit it, but it's getting close to the deadline now. So if you could just uh, do your usual stuff, please. Okay. What do you want me to do? You normally ask me questions. Okay. Uh, how you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. Uh, got Disney Plus. Okay. The, the TV thing? Yeah. Does that mean you're, you're sort of sitting there watching Mickey Mouse? No, there's loads of things on there. You should mock Mickey Mouse. He's appeared on a couple of Iron Maiden sleeves, so it's quite credible. Okay, fair enough. Um, so anyway, you've just been watching telly? Yeah. Well, I thought after the last couple of weeks, I'd just say I've been doing normal things. Yeah, okay. Um, right, so anyway, we're on Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, the song. So how do you feel about that? Yeah, I like it. I did wonder if there are any Seventh Sons in my family, because when I did my family tree for a school project, my nan and granddad had big families. They had five or six brothers and sisters. This was common in those days, as you couldn't buy condoms from the chemist. All right, well, we don't need to hear that, do we? Well, what's wrong with that? It's a fact. OK. I think that to be the seventh son, you have to have six brothers and not just be the seventh child. So there's no hereditary special powers for me. My granddad was good at playing the piano, though, so that's where I get my creativity from. OK. Uh, when your granddad played piano... 
Did you used to play a promising song and then stop abruptly or, or throw in some random notes, a bit like your poems? No, but it was a different time. You'd entertain lots of people in the neighbourhood. They'd all come and stand round in the garden and, and in the street and listen. There was no telly then, of course. We lived in one of those back-to-back houses in Birmingham. There was a nice sense of community in those days. Not like now. If I went and read one of my poems in the street, I don't think people would appreciate it. Neither wouldn't. They'd just walk past, wouldn't they? Pretending to ignore me. Or throw rocks. OK, back, back to the song, please. Yeah, well, the song's good. But I don't think it's got as much substance as some of the other epics. I think the instrumental bit makes it stand out. And the overall atmosphere. I think it sounds quite otherworldly. OK. Well, I don't need to ask if your poem this week will be otherworldly. Well, maybe. Anyway, you didn't do your three questions last week. Did you get any complaints? No, although I did get complaints about the haiku. It seems that Iron Maiden fans don't like this either. OK, we have to experiment, don't you? You can't be churning out the same thing every week. This would be like Iron Maiden. OK, well, fair enough. Well, I don't want the three questions this week. OK, well, fine. Well, I've got a different idea. Oh. Yeah, I had a message about cereals. What, you mean your cereal cocktail? No, a mix-up. It's not a cocktail. I had someone write in. What, about cereals? Yeah, and I've got an idea for a new segment. Okay, what is it? It's called Rate My Mix-Up. Rate My Mix-Up? Yeah, I've even got a theme tune for it. Change my mix-up, rate my mix-up. Change my pitch up, rate my mix up. Ooh, okay, what was that? Like sort of, sort of technotronic music? It wasn't technotronic, it was a prodigy with my voice. I don't care what it was. Anyway, what's happening? What, rating the mix up? Yeah, I had a message from Ben, who lives at 113 Broadfield Road. Hang on a minute. You can't give people's addresses out. It's a breach. OK, well, I got a message from Ben, from England. And he had a mix-up of shredded wheat bite size and multigrain hoops. OK. Multigrain hoops are a supermarket-owned brand of multi-cheerios. Yeah, I know that. All right, well, I'm just explaining. So now what happens? Well, now I rate his mix-up. Well, go on, then. OK. Well, I like it. But I've got some concerns. What are they? Come on. Okay, well, surely we bite size the squares and multigrain hoops are hoops. I'm not sure that goes together aesthetically. Right. Also, multigrain hoops can be quite sweet. I think there's too much of a contrast in the dish. Yep. And then finally, the shredded wheat bite size soak the milk up a bit much so the, the multigrain hoops suffer. So I think I'm going to give your mix-up 6 out of 10. Right, well, is this going to be a regular feature? Because I don't think people are listening to the podcast for this. They want to hear about Iron Maiden and, and Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. I thought I'd add some fun to it. It's supposed to be a comedy. It isn't supposed to be a comedy. It's a serious discussion about Iron Maiden. People don't... This is... OK, we've got the chance to redeem yourself with a poem, but I haven't got much expectation. Oh, it's a good poem this week. I've, I've listened to the feedback. 
Good. Okay, you ready? Yeah. I didn't want to be seventh. No medals, no prize, just sympathy in their eyes. Too slow out of the traps, and now a slow hand clap. I trudge off the track and throw down the sack. My parents look away with nothing to say. No comfort, no hug, just a predictable shrug as I walk past. At least you weren't last, but I am ashamed. I'm the seventh son with no powers. Okay, what's that about then? About sports day, when I finished seventh in the sack race. Disappointing. I was sort of third favourite, I think. What do you mean third favourite? People didn't bet on our sports day. Well, yeah, but in the heats and, and the practices, I did quite well. But then on the day, I froze. Isn't this, didn't you say once that you forgot to go forwards in it? I thought you were pretty weak at the sack race. Well, yeah. I think, as I said, I froze. These things happen to performers. Okay, well, I suppose the, there was a bit of sadness in the poem. Um, and It rhymed. I liked it. it. It flowed quite nicely. So, yeah, not bad. Obviously, better than a haiku. Okay, well, next week we've got the prophecy. So, uh, hopefully, you'll continue uh, doing a decent standard of poem. Okay, thanks, Wayne. Bye. Okay, you can follow me on social media. I'm at Wayne Maiden on Twitter. I had a message from Angus, the landlord. And he says that he can't find any crab paste in the shops and wonders if this has been withdrawn from the shelves. Um, and he asks if that man from Tunbridge Wells knows where he can get it. I think someone from there knew about the Blamange once. So, yeah, if you could get in touch, that'd be nice. I had a message from Doc and he says, where does Seventh Son fit in when you're doing a list of the best title tracks of the 1980s? That's a good question. I mean, I think before I think about it, I would say that Power Slave is the best title track of the 1980s. But then Killers is also very good. Um, I mean, I think those two are better than Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. Um, I mean, The Number of the Beast, again, a classic. I think that's quite difficult to compare them. Hmm. I mean, basically, they're all very good, aren't they? If, if you had to pick a weakest one there, it'd probably be Iron Maiden, just because it's short and you've heard it loads. It's not as in-depth as the others. So I think, yeah, maybe third or fourth. Well, next week, we're looking at the prophecy, so that'll be fun. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. And, uh, yeah, I'll catch you next week. So uh, here's a bit of Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. Bye-bye.